I'm Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. And welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. Welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. He's Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. Uh, happy holidays to all of you out there. And Charlie, happy holidays to you. It's been a long time since we've done one of these. Uh, there's been a fair, act, fair bit of activity for the Pirates since the end of the season. But uh, I think the Hot Stove League is a little bit of a misnomer for the Pirates. It's more like the Tepid Stove, stove League. But here we are. Yeah, and uh, happy holidays to you, too. Right, it's, it, has, it hasn't been too exciting beyond one big signing and one big re-signing. But, yeah, we haven't done the podcast for a while, and it's nice to be back here doing it. Charlie, let's start with Pirates Fest. It happened this uh, past weekend, and I think they had record attendance, something like 16,000. Good for them. There are uh, plenty of people interested in baseball and what's going on in Pittsburgh. You had a chance to sit down and talk to Neil Huntington and what was going on there. Uh, I know you've written about some of the, the conversations you had at Pirates Fest, but bring us up to speed on, on what you and Neil talked about. Um, well, one thing we talked about was uh, Kyle Stark and, and Larry Broadway and the way these guys have come under fire um, in this this offseason, not only about the Hoka Hay business, but also about their supposed lack of experience. So I asked Neil Huntington to put those uh, those guys and their, their qualifications in context with the rest of the league. And what he basically said was what Wilbur Miller and some other people kind of found out on Bucks Dugout on their own, which is that their qualifications are really not or, or their supposed lack of qualifications are, are really not unique in terms of baseball as a whole, and that that and that part of the issue at least is is overblown. Uh, when you say there, it's not unique to baseball. Uh, is that saying? I mean, to me, that's like saying you know nobody's qualified to do these jobs, or there's no way you can get qualified to do these jobs, or that you know baseball just goes and finds random guys. I, can you expound on that a little bit? Well, it's not that they're finding random guys. It's not. It's not that Stark and and uh, and and uh, Broadway are, are random. Uh, Huntington knew Stark from from working with him in the Indians organization. So this was very much a known quantity. Huntington said that in, in Broadway's case, he uh, and the Pirates targeted Broadway back when he was still a player. They signed Broadway when he was a Triple A minor league veteran type of player because they thought that this was somebody who was going to make a good executive or a, a, a good uh, employee on the other side someday, and they they kind of nurtured him in that way. So the decision to, to get Broadway to this position was was very much a calculated one, and this was this is not a random decision at all. It just wasn't somebody who had been somebody else's farm director for 15 years or something like that. Gotcha. And did he talk about Stark in, in any uh, further detail? Well, we didn't we didn't really address the the Hokahe thing at all. I, I don't I think that there were more interesting things to talk about but you know just in general you know there there are a lot of players in Stark's position or people in Stark's position and people in Broadway's position who you look at them and and you would say yeah this this person hasn't had 15 years of experience being a scout or working as a minor league manager or something like that but you know in the in the eyes of of lots of teams those are the people they want in those positions uh okay good stuff so you had a chance to talk about some further things so sorry i cut you off there so pick it back up sorry about that oh i was gonna i was gonna start talking about the rotation situation and and the the pirates decision not to go with jeff carstens at one year and four million dollars and their you know related decision to go ahead and re-sign charlie morton for one year and and two million dollars huntington had a take on that that wasn't you know that it hasn't been something that has been discussed so much, which is that Morton is arbitration eligible for the 2014 season as well. So they know that that they're they're going to get at best a half a year out of him 
2013. But they'll pay him two million bucks for 2013, uh, and then if things go well, um, they can bring him back in 2014 and add an arbitration-controlled salary. So they're potentially getting a guy for a year and a half rather than just for half a year at two million dollars. Now you can still question that decision. I mean. Morton's pretty far into his career at this point and really has only shown flashes of, of being a decent starting pitcher. I think the odds are probably against him ever being one, but that that extra year played a, a, a big role in their consideration as well. Yeah, interesting stuff to look at, Charlie, and when we take into consideration last year, I thought they made mistakes in their arbitration decisions, maybe across the board uh, in the terms of, in terms of the guys they non-tendered. Snyder, excuse Snyder, not, not so much. Domit, I, I think we knew that that was going to happen, and it was more of a fit issue with Ryan Domit. It was probably in his best interest uh, to go as well. But I liked Cedeno as a utility infielder. I, I still think... Uh, you know, I still look back and say, would they have been better off having him uh, on the roster? And and then, but again, attitude issues and some other things that we're not privy to, I'm sure, went into that decision. And then Paul Mahalam at nine million dollars, and it looked like a smart decision when Mahalam goes on the market and only gets six. Uh, and I'm sure if they they retained Mahalam, they don't have both Bedard and Burnett, so it's it's half of one, six dozen of the other. Right. Six of one, half dozen of the other. Uh, in in this year's situation, you just look at it and you say, Charlie Morton, it's not two million dollars. Then, if that's his thinking, it's basically six million dollars or five million dollars because Morton's going to make something next year uh, to get that year and a half of him. And Carson's at four million dollars. Look, I'm not I'm not as big a Jeff Carson's fan as some other people, but as a spot starter and a swing guy, you don't want to necessarily pin that role at four million dollars. You'd like to get it for cheaper with a guy. Like Chris Larue is is always the guy that I tout, and he's going to cost, you know, probably you know south of a million dollars. So you, you get some savings there, but you gave up talent for nothing. We'll see who turns out to be right. But I did find it interesting that nobody has beaten down the door to Jeff Karsten's apartment yet and said, you know, here's the number signed, let's get it done. And Kevin Correa has signed for a two-year, ten million dollar deal. Right. There's there's definitely something strange going on there, and and uh, you got the sense from. I, there were rumblings at Pirate, Pirate Fest. This wasn't something Neil Huntington said, but there were rumblings around Pirate Fest that the, Carson's actually has some health, some more serious health problem than we know about. You know, Huntington, it, it's clear from talking to him that he's very aware of, of the perception of this decision and, and says that if Carson's basically stays healthy and pitches the way he has pitched the last two years, then it was a bad decision. So, you know, very interesting, very interesting comment from him. I, I thought found that the most interesting comment of the offseason. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the kind of comment that's that's really inviting criticism. It seems like you don't have yes. to phrase it that way. Yes. And I, I kind of pointed it out to him and, and he said, well, what am I supposed to do? And like not be honest. And it's like, well, you can be honest without saying it like that. But but it, it does seem like, you know, he's very much betting against Jeff Karsten's staying healthy you know, he has more information about that than we do. And like you said, just because there aren't, you know, tons of uh, posts about Jeff Carson's on MLB trade rumors doesn't mean that there's not interest. But but the fact that we haven't seen any of that kind of stuff might indicate that, that there's something going on here that we don't know about. Yeah, and it was interesting to see Jeff Carson's tweet. Uh, obviously, he's heard those rumors or conversations as well because he tweeted, if, you, if you're worried about my health, come on down to Florida and take a look. So I don't know if you saw that tweet, yeah. but I, I found that to be an interesting retort uh, from his side. So, okay, so those are those two guys. At the end of the day, you know, without knowing, just knowing what you know, 
Uh, I assume you feel like the Pirates should have tendered him a contract, and I do as well. Is that fair to say? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And and you look at where their their payroll is right now, and you know they really need they need one starter for sure. I mean, they they could really use another one in addition to that. You know, and they like, could probably use one more after that too. <laughs> well, they do have some some depth. I mean, I, I I don't I don't at all mind having Jeff Locke be the the first guy, at, you know, coming out out of of Indianapolis. Uh, I, I think Kyle McPherson could probably use some more time there, but I'm I'm you know in the long term I'm comfortable with him too. And of course by the end of the year you're going to have Garrett Cole in the in, in consideration as well. So they they do have some depth, but you don't want to go into the year with with those guys penciled into your rotation. So the the question is who they're going to come up with and and how they're going to do it because in a market where Sean Burnett is getting eight million dollars and Kevin Correa is getting ten million dollars. <laughs> You know, it's, it's pretty tough for a team like the Pirates to come up with somebody who can pitch 180 innings. And, I, Charlie, I, I will make a pledge right here in the new year to do uh, something about that, do a podcast that's finance-focused, and I don't want this to be that. But I, this is not a topic that I really hit the Pirates hard on uh, over the course of, of my kind of journalistic uh, endeavors. And it is something that I'm going to hit them hard on here going forward if I understand the TV revenues to be right and the Pirates have the opportunity in 2014 and going forward to be making north of $120 million a year. So it's going to be an interesting thing. I think it's, you know, you deal with the business environment and not knowing a lot of the numbers. And if these numbers prove to be true, uh, this is going to be much more of an easy target and a bullseye on the Pirates' back. So we'll see where we'll see where that goes because you just can't have a conversation, uh, as we did on the radio today on my show earlier, you can't have a conversation where there's not a thread underneath about what is their budget and, and how much can they spend because – it's just it's just the elephant in the room, or maybe it's not even an elephant. It's just it is the basis from which all decisions are made. That's that's absolutely true. And you're you're talking about a situation now where they're they're talking about, or well, we don't know what they're talking about, but the rumors are that they're they're thinking about trading Joel Hanrahan basically to clear salary. And and you know should they be doing that at this point based on the money coming in? Um, we should definitely look at that. Uh, in, in more detail, but maybe now we can we can turn to and, and I'll just throw in Garrett Jones's name as well because there's mm -hmm. no there's no sane reason in the world to be moving Garrett Jones who's going to make four million bucks none none right and especially I mean he's he's I mean I guess you could make a case that you could do it for baseball reasons like you're you're selling high on a guy who's well, look, unlikely to perform right, at that right. level. Get, always and Neil says it look it's always baseball reasons in his mind but I just can't I. You know, I don't, I don't understand maybe the even the thought process behind moving him, unless you're just saying, look, we got a replacement in Clint Robinson. Well, that's rolling. That's terrible. Tight. That's a terrible that's, idea. Yeah, that's a bad answer, right? Right. That's that's a really bad answer. I mean, you know, who, who knows? But I think that's a, you know, Clint Robinson, Gabby Sanchez platoon at, at first. I mean, I, I like Clint Robinson, but just puke, you know. So anyway, let's let's talk about the some of the the bigger moves the Pirates have made this off season. Uh, I wanted to get your take on the Russell Russell Martin signing and also on the the re-signing of, of Jason Grilly, which I, I know you probably like. But tell me what you think about the Russ Martin signing. President of the Grilly fan club, you're damn right. I like that. <laughs> I like that signing. The, the Russell Martin signing. I got to tell you, if I hear the 211 batting average again, I'm going to pull right. my hair out because yeah. <laughs> it's so annoying. What's annoying is to hear the hacks. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't really say it like that, but I can't help myself right now. Uh, guys, it's such a cherry pick, cherry picking stat. Russell Martin's OPS the past two years, OPS plus 92, 95. Uh, he plays a, an important defensive position, and he's a pretty good defensive catcher. So that's more than adequate. And, and when I see guys who know better 
use the 211 batting average. I mean, I really want to go after them personally. And, you know, that doesn't always prove to be the right thing to do being in the industry at the moment. So uh, I restrain myself. But, Russell Martin, I, I'm fine with it. And, I, you know, Charlie, I, I find myself on this signing giving the fans perspective because you, we never get to have this perspective in Pittsburgh. And it's the who the hell cares if they overpaid? It's not my money. And so, uh, you know, they got a guy. Maybe they overpaid a little bit. Now, of course, I say that tongue-in-cheek because the Pirates are operating on a tough budget, and every dollar spent on Russell Martin is a dollar that's not going to be spent elsewhere. So I'm fully cognizant of that. But that is kind of my uh, my knee-jerk reaction is, look, it'd be nice to get Russell Martin for $12 bucks over two years. It's $17 million. Cost to doing business. I'm fine with it. I, I told you last year, I, the minute they signed Barmas, you know, I, I was violently ill on a two-year deal. I, did, I didn't really like the Braha signing, but I have to tell you, I remember exactly where I was. I was in Central Park in New York City, and I, I, had, to, I had to pull out my phone and actually look up Bar- Barajas' numbers because I kind of forgotten that he was in the league. So I knew he was an older guy, and I, you know, I just said, all right, they needed to sign somebody. We'll see how that goes. I don't really feel that way about Russell Martin. I like the signing. I, I think Russell Martin's going to put up an on-base percentage in the 315 area. He's going to hit 15 home runs. Uh, I think he'll bring a, a defensive presence that Rod Barajas hypothetically brought, but in reality didn't bring. And so, so I'm good with it. The Grilly signing, I think I, you know, I'll pat myself on the back for saying I think the Pirates should offer him seven million bucks for two years. And God bless him if he can go get more. He's the type of guy who you root for to go out and get more. The thing that when I was looking at some of the data, Jason Grilly in his career has earned three point two six five million dollars in his career in his ten years. And we always talk about guys and the paydays they get and and being greedy uh jason Grilly is a guy who i honestly said i i was thinking to myself i hope he takes every penny because this is it this is all he's going to make uh in his career he may have a year or two on the back end of this two-year deal but go for the money uh, i had him on on my show the day after they signed him he's always fun to talk to he's an engaging guy he didn't take the top dollar and I think that shows some keen insight on his part because it's important to be in an environment where you feel like you can be successful and you're comfortable. So what, what do you leave on the table? I'd be surprised if he left a million bucks on the table, but he probably, you know, he said he left some money on the table, so so be it. And I also asked him about the Gary Sheffield thing, and and that was pretty entertaining. He talked about uh, Gary Sheffield and he were teammates at one point in time, which I had forgotten, and they they fostered a relationship a long time ago now i thought when Grilly, i didn't know this and i didn't pursue it on the on the interview we had but i had thought when he was with uh whatever it was redding or the triple a team for the phillies i thought somebody else was his agent or maybe sheffield works with somebody but it wasn't sheffield's name was not the name that came out at that point in time so i thought this was a new relationship he suggested that it wasn't a new relationship and he really respects what gary's doing and he wants to be in the industry and he talked to and i should post that up on bucks dugout the the full interview but uh i think the pirates did it this is a great thing this is i'm sure it's more than neil huntington wanted to pay uh, I, I'm sure he would have loved to have Jason Grilly for, for two million bucks a year, but this is the market and it's not going backwards and it's not going backwards anytime soon. So uh, I'm with you. I think Hanrahan's on his way out the door. Hopefully the Pirates find some something that can be construed as equal value, uh, knowing that Hanrahan's on in the last year of his deal. But uh, I expect Grilly to pitch like he did this year. I don't know. Uh, at 37, uh, 36, 37, I don't see that there's necessarily a reason for a drop-off. He was incredibly effective. Uh, huge strikeout rates. Walk rates weren't too bad. Uh, stumbled a little bit in the second half of the season. But, uh, you know, again, I, I like the deal. And, and it's, I, I'm pleased that Neil Huntington went out and paid that amount. 
Yeah, I'll just I'll, I agree with you. I like the, I like the Grilly deal. I'll just play devil's advocate on this for just a second. Um, I don't know if you saw my my uh, Joel Hanrahan post from this morning, but basically you take a look at the the saves leaders from 2010, just you know two years ago, and you're talking about uh, Brian Wilson, um, uh, Heath Bell. I, I mean a bunch of relievers who are just you know either have bad injuries or uh, just shells of you know, Francisco Cordero, just shells of their former selves at this point. And, you know, you say you don't see a reason for a drop-off. I mean, you rarely do, and it just happens because they're relievers. And there's there's certainly a lesson in the fact that the Pirates picked Jason Grilly up for nothing. And, you know, there's always that, that next Jason Grilly out there kind of waiting to be found. You'd prefer not to, to you know, spend $7 bucks on one. His name is Chris LaRue. <laughs> you might be right. You might be right. I mean, we'll we'll see about that. Or you know, his his name might be Duke Welker or something else. You know, so it's it's tough. On the other hand, there, there was so much instability in the bullpen, and you know, when you say the you know Neil Neil Huntington maybe would have preferred to have really for you know two million bucks a year or Russ Martin for six million bucks a year, it's like well, you know, I want a magical pony, but it's it's not going to happen. You know, th- this is just where the market is right now, and. Um, the pirates need to put themselves in a, in a in a place where they're just dealing with the free agent market as little as possible because it's not a good market for them. That said, what they did within the market uh, this this off season so far, I think it's good. I, I think it makes sense. Uh, Charlie, you also had a chance to talk to Neil Walker, and maybe you can recap briefly recap that conversation. I just want to put it out there. This is kind of I've banged this drum for a while. I Neil Walker exceeded my expectations last year i think he's i thought going into the season that he was an average national league second baseman and that's what he would be at best i think there is a misperception that he is a good fielder i don't think he's a good fielder i don't think he's a horrendous fielder i think he's average at best and it's going to go downhill he's a big guy uh there is going to be a point here if and when this pirates move pedro alvarez to to first base which not going to happen this year Neil Walker's going to go to third base. He's going to go back to third base because I just don't see kind of three years down the road Neil Walker playing second base. But that's my perception of the guy. Congratulations to him for having a good year. Heard at the end of the year. You can bring us up to date on that. But I don't see any reason, Charlie, for the Pirates not to go year to year all the way through his career with him. Uh, screw this hometown idea. That's not relevant or germane to the conversation. Uh, this is a guy who performed well, and I think the Pirates should take that uh, that kind of couple million dollar risk every year, uh, and have him earn his season and earn his money going forward. I think that's I think that sounds like the best course of action. You're talking about a good player, not an elite player. I think that you know he's made obvious steps forward with his his defense, and that's much to his credit. This is not someone who's supposed to be a second baseman, and yet here he is. But you know I, I don't think he's ever going to be a great defensive second baseman. Uh, offensively, he's good. He's not he's not spectacular. Uh, he talked about extension uh, extension possibilities in in uh, the interview we did we did with him. It doesn't sound like an extension is is imminent. So you know I'm not sure that's that's going to happen. Or at least I I mean I would be surprised if it happens soon. One interesting thing he had, he also addressed in the in the interview was that he he was actually glad that the Pirates haven't made a lot of big moves this this off season. We're, we're you know really just talking about a catcher. 
Uh, he thinks that they're going to add a couple more pitchers and then a bunch of minor moves, and he's fine with that. It's really just a handful of guys from the 25-man roster that are going to get turned over, and he's happy about that because he thinks that that shows confidence that the Pirates have in the core they've put in place in, in, in Pittsburgh. But a result of that is that we're not going to see uh, as many smaller, minor signings that are going to make much of an impact on the, on the team going into spring training. Uh, a couple things, John, I want to talk about. G- give me the give me the uh, thumbnail sketch on your expectations from Mazzaro, Stewart, and Robinson, three guys the Pirates added to the forty man right uh, right up to the deadline. And any thoughts on the guys who were taken off the forty man as a result? You know, Mazzaro is is he's out of options, and the bullpen is not deep right now. So unless the Pirates add more to the bullpen, and I could I could certainly see them doing that. You know, adding guys like like they added in Jose Veras and Juan Cruz who were minor you know minor league signings but basically had a clear shot at the 25 man roster when they were signed they could sign somebody like that and add a couple more people but if they don't then I think Mazzaro is going to get a very clear shot at a bullpen job um, I think he has enough in the way of stuff enough of a fastball and it's shown kind of just enough in the minors to make that at least somewhat of an interesting proposition. Not that I'm excited about it, but I think he's he's going to get a shot at a job, and I'm at least kind of interested to see what he does with it. I don't think he's going to be great, but you, you take a guy who's usually a starter, you make him a reliever. He's got a decent fastball. Who knows? With Robinson, the, the Pirates have Garrett Jones and Gabby Sanchez kind of locked into this platoon role. So unless they trade Garrett Jones, which would leave us with a platoon of, of – Clint Robinson and Gabby Sanchez, which God help us. I mean, I, I, I like Clint Robinson. I like the idea of, of acquiring him, but you can't go into a season with that as your as your plan A, I don't think. Unless they do that, I, I don't really see how, how Robinson's going to make the team. The Pirates always go into the the season or pretty much always go into the season with uh, with two infielders, and that's that's led to these all these absurd situations that Pirates fans love to make fun of where you've got the, the Pedro Siriaco role. Um, that that at points this year was occupied by Jordy Mercer, where you just you have an infielder and you just don't see forever. Uh, and, and so given that Gabby Sanchez or Garrett Jones is going to be on the bench pretty much every day, and uh, that Travis Snyder and Jose Tabata are also out of options, it's going to be pretty much impossible for Clint Robinson to make the team unless there's a trade or an injury. Zach Stewart, I basically just see as as Triple A depth. I mean, somebody you can call up to make a stop uh, a spot start. I mean, nothing about his profile. At this point, he was once regarded as a top prospect, but he's not anymore. Doesn't really have all that much in the way of stuff. You know, if Jeff Carstens can make a, a big league career with the stuff he has, then then who knows? Maybe Stewart can too. But nothing about him really excites me a whole lot. Interesting. He went in the uh, Euclid deal, didn't he? And we want to talk about the silly season. Kevin Euclid signing a twelve million dollar deal this offseason, one-year deal with the Yanks. That's, you know, again, the money that's flying around. Everybody's going to have to recalibrate. I'm going to have to recalibrate. You're going to have to recalibrate. Pirates are going to have to recalibrate. This is, it's going to be, I'm very interested to see where payrolls end up this year and even more interested to see where things go next year because I don't know that there's, you know, the salad days, man. It is, I don't think there'll ever be a better time to be a free agent in any sport than Major League Baseball coming up kind of these next couple of years. It's nuts. Uh, Charlie, let, let's talk about uh, just a little bit more about the roster and what's going on because, you know, we look and we know what's going to happen in the infield more or less. Every position set. The corner outfield spots don't seem to be a roll of the dice. Early expectation here is you're going to have Starling Marte in one corner and Travis Snyder in the other. I'm a big Travis Snyder fan. I have high expectations for the kid, but, you know, that's all that is is hope. Yeah. 
necessarily a lot of substance behind my expectations. Uh, what is your perception of where Jose Tabata and Alex Presley sit in this mix? If it comes down to keeping one or the other, does one guy have clearly a leg up over the other? Well, Jose Tabata does uh, simply because he's he's out of options and he's perceived to be the player with with more upside. I think he he and Snyder are almost certainly going to make the team. I would be very surprised if they didn't. And if that's the case, then there's there's no spot for Alex Presley opening up the year, and he's going to wind up. Uh, back in Indianapolis, which which I'm fine with. You know, it's it's very frustrating what's what's come of, of Jose Tabata's career that he's basically an afterthought at this point. But, you know, with the season he had last year, I mean, this is where we are. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's right. And then what comes with that, kind of the obvious follow-up question there, is the batting order. And, God, I like Clint Hurdle, but, man, he says things that just drive me crazy. And, unfortunately, he puts some of those things he says into action and there's some talk about where guys are going to hit and some talk about Russell Martin hitting second. Uh, good thing it's November or December, right? Uh, I, I guess, I, you know, honestly, whenever somebody starts talking about batting order, I just kind of zone out because, it, you know, ultimately it, at this point in the year, it kind of means so little. But what was his explanation for, for putting Martin second? Right. Exactly. You, you do. He did. He give one or just yeah. something he said. This was down in Nashville, and Rob Nyer was tweeting. He was tweeting, uh, you know, Clint Clint comments, and I, you know, I was face palming, and and uh, we were having a good time, and we talked about it. Uh, he and I talked about it on my show as well. It, I, you know, I assume it. Uh, he didn't give the answer high on base percentage, so whatever he said, I didn't like. Yeah, I mean, you take a you know a catcher who doesn't have great foot speed and whose best offensive asset is his power and bat him second. I don't, yeah, it doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, okay, Charlie. I mean, I, I just asked you this before, but let me ask you again. Uh, you know, we assume things are going to change here from here to uh, March first, or certainly till April first, in terms of who's in this organization. But as constituted, uh, how many team, how many games does this team win? As you know, right now, yeah. uh, I, I think, boy, I'll say 75. I'm not sure. I mean, so much depends on how things shake out in the in the, the back of the rotation. And if they go with who they have, do guys like Kyle McPherson and Jeff Locke step up and take over these spots? Because if they don't, the Pirates are going to be in big trouble, at least for the couple for first couple months of the season. What say you? I, I, yeah, I'm right there. I'm right there. I mean, you you are rolling dice with the Travis Snyders, the James McDonalds, the two guys you mentioned. You're hoping for a resurgence from Clint Thomas. Uh, you're hoping Pedro Alvarez comes back and does what, does what he did last year and more. So, look, every team has question marks. I'll tell you, just as an aside, I just looked at the Toronto Blue Jays roster today. Man, the Toronto Blue Jays and Washington Nationals, you want those are there that's my world series pick there's my world series pick on december 19th 2012 the 2013 world series those two teams are just stacked and you know the pirates are a long way from that so yeah 75 seems like a, a good and even slightly ambitious number yeah i mean you, you look at those those rosters I mean, the, the trades the the jays have have made really wild but uh you know it's, it's probably just last year that whatever that 13 player trade with houston they have made a ton of deals and uh, just you know, I, I was looking at you know their outfield. The, the outfield's their weakness with Colby Rasmus in center and Melky in one side and and uh, Jose Batista in the other. <laughs> you know that tells you maybe what you what you need to know. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny. I think I read something earlier today that Alex Anthopoulos has made something like eight waiver claims this offseason. I mean, it's not just the trades. Oh, this, the this is just a guy who has like ADD. He made another one today while we were on this chat. <laughs> okay. He, no, I'm not kidding. Uh, a guy from Houston. I'd never heard of it. it was like the, Oh, Mickey Story, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's funny. Uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about Joel Hanrahan a little bit. Where do you see him going? What do you think the Pirates should be looking for? Do you think the Pirates should be looking to trade him? Well, you know, what do I think? I th- I think the Pirates should have traded him at the trade deadline in 2011. They should have traded him at the t- trade deadline in 2012. So yep. I was just the Pirates didn't do that. It doesn't mean I was right. Let me just be clear about that. But it turns out in hindsight that the team fell apart and they would have gotten more value. So uh, I think it was very tough for him, for Joe, uh, for Neil to do this last year, but I think in 2010 it was would have been, and, and relievers were going for crazy prices. 2011. Uh, excuse me, 11. It would have been would have been the right thing to do. So uh, I don't have any problem with them moving Hanrahan, but it's just I don't have any problem with Hanrahan staying and get paid $7 million and move him at the deadline. you got to move him one time or the other. I don't want – you know, unless the Pirates are dead in the thick of it, like last year, I don't expect Joe Hanrahan to be a Pirate on August 1st. You try to get whatever you can at the deadline uh, because he's not going to be a Pirate next year. It's just it's just plain and simple. He's not. Mm-hmm. So you might as well do what you can. I, but if, if it's Chris Capuano, I, I'd say I know a lot of people say that that's, you know, that's fine. I, maybe it's my desire not to have a soft-tossing to- lefty in the rotation. Uh, but maybe that's good balance. Who knows? But I would hope for more than that. And if and I, I do think Neil will end up moving him, and I do think I'll be disappointed. But I, I don't. Again, it, it's a. I'm generally if, if they if if Neil Huntington feels like he got legitimate baseball return, then fine. If it's a salary dump, that's probably going to be. And everybody will characterize it as a salary dump. So I don't think I've articulated any of this very well, Charlie. But the answer is I think he's gone. Uh, and I think he's probably gone by the time the season starts. Well, to be fair to everybody, whoever everybody is, it probably will be a salary dump. I mean, right. let's be honest. I mean, the, the, the possibility of the Pirates getting a real baseball, baseball return for Hanrahan at this point are slim. It doesn't seem like there's much of a market for him. The Tigers have basically have, have all but come out and said that they're not interested. Uh, the only real team we've we've heard with you know you know much smoke behind it is is the Dodgers. Uh, and that is that is interesting because the Dodgers are one team you can expect to go Texas crazy. Today. We heard Texas in the last 24 hours. There was a, a rumor about Texas that you couldn't really tell if if that was speculation or uh, or if there was anything actually there. But you know he's set to make seven million dollars. Is he an asset at seven million dollars? I I think that's kind of debatable. And GMs are not really in the kind of place where they're necessarily looking to trade top prospects or or good young players uh, or, or good players of any kind for a closer at this point in the season because it, it or in the off season because right now you can kind of dream that that everything's going to work out for your bullpen uh, and you'll be fine and you don't need a hand hand the, the best time to trade somebody like this is going to be in July uh, when when somebody's closer's elbow falls apart and their their bullpen is just getting smacked around and they they feel like they have to make some sort of move for a reliever. So ideally, what you'd like them to do is hold on to Hanrahan for a few months. Hope he builds up his his value after what was kind of a problematic season for him in 2012, despite the the superficially nice numbers. He, I mean, he he walked way too many batters and it was very frustrating to watch. You know, hopefully he, he can build his his value back up and and get something for them in, in July. If they if they make the trade now, I I would be very pleasantly surprised uh, if if it were a good baseball trade. 
Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said. Good stuff. And, and uh, let's get back at this in early January. We want to wish a happy holidays to uh, all the faithful followers of Buck's Dugout. I, I know Charlie appreciates everything you do, and I appreciate everything Charlie does. Uh, we all do. And uh, happy holidays to all of you, and thanks from uh, me and Charlie. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Buck's Dugout Podcast.